and welcome to a new episode of uh, Digital Coffee. And I'm your host, Brett Deister. And this week, I'm going to be talking about games from Gamecom. Also, some new and interesting, I guess, hardware for gaming specifically. Steam's got a new beta app that I just tried briefly. And the reason why this is important is because it is very, very interesting to see how the melding of mobile and PC is coming together. So that's the reason why I'm be talking about that and just a whole bunch more. Plus are we hitting peak gaming as in terms of hardware, because very interesting gear, but it's kind of like uh, how far are we going to go? Is this too far? Are we hitting that peakness? And is it all going to eventually crash? It's going to be it, but let's get on with the show. Have your digital cups ready for this digital coffee is going to make a great brew. Mm, that's good. Yes, and welcome and happy Friday, by the way, too. I always keep on saying that, but it's always happy Friday because it's the weekend. That's why this show is should be a subscriber as well. But let's move on to Microsoft Flight Simulator. It's going to have an update for... Focus on Germany and the 40th anniversary update as well. And also brings in gliders, junkers, and helicopters. So now you can hover around in, in helos and see an actual city for what it is. This is very interesting. I've always been a really big supporter on the, the Microsoft Flight Simulator because it's been such a good game. Interesting game. People have flown into hurricanes. They've done different things that they probably normally wouldn't have done in real life. And this is kind of their way of doing it real-time weather and everything else that helps this game become a little bit more lifelike is very interesting in and of itself. And you can just pilot interesting things. Plus with the Halo one previously with the updates, you can fly a Halo bird, which is very interesting too. So if you haven't actually gotten to that or given it a try, you should really give it a try. All right, moving on to Atomic Heart. And Atomic Heart is Basically had a new trailer out for it. I'm very excited for it. It is coming out this year, thankfully. It is a very interesting game. Almost set in the it's set in the 80s era, but it's got like very like futuristic for the 80s type of a thing. It's very interesting in the way it's being portrayed. There's very interesting story to it. It's just it, I'm very intrigued with this game. Let's just say that all around because it just, it, there's just something different about this game that makes me want to go, mm, I actually want to play this game. Instead of every other thing that's just kind of been common, this one is actually very different. So I like what I'm seeing with this. It's a fresh and mostly brutal look about what could happen in Atomic Heart. Let's see if it's actually roadlike or not. That's going to be very interesting to actually see. And then moving on to Ghostbuster. Spirits Unleashed, which is basically a 4v1 PvP game where you are four of you will be Ghostbusters and one will be the ghost, and you try to capture the ghost. And it's very interesting. The ghost can actually hide within things and pretend to be things like trash bags or whatever. So it's a very, I guess, evolve type of game, except with just not monsters, it's ghosts instead. And this could be a fun game with friends. In general, just to like coordinate and try to figure out how to get this ghost. But interesting to say the least. Will it be better than Evolve and the other games that are similar in this vein? Hopefully, 
we'll find out if it's actually going to be any good when it actually is released. But yes, you can team up with friends to hunt the haunt in the ghost or whatever else you want to say about that. But it's going to be a very interesting game to see how well players respond to this. All right, moving on to another game announced is going to be the Great War Western Front. Now, this is a game that has been or is being developed by some of the people that originally developed Command Conquer games. They actually recently did the Command Conquer remastered ones. And so this is very interesting. I would I'm very interested in this one because I love strategy games. I miss that there aren't as many as they used to be in the 90s where they just came out like every year almost. I do miss that. There's still some great strategy games coming out. Dune is one of them. That's going to be a very interesting game to see. But this is interesting in that is World War One, And it's not like the other one that's kind of like a a different take on World War One. This really is World War One, So you can either relive it or change it in the way you actually want to do it. I'm very excited to see this. I wish more strategy games would come out. I'm glad that Coming Heroes 3 is coming out. I'm glad this one's coming out. There's just a plethora of strategy games finally coming out that maybe we'll see a resurgence in this. All right, moving on to another Doom game, Doom Awakening. Now, it's going to be an MMO survival game. Not really quite sure about that one. I'm always a little skeptical when it's a survival game because usually that means it's going to be terrible for you unless it's your full-time job. That's the problem with a lot of these types of games. If it's not your full-time job and it's a survival game, you usually will get crushed by those that is their full-time job to play this game. So that's my concern on this one. It's just, I really want to like it. I love the Doom universe. I think Doom is just an interesting take on basically politics and resources and Everything else between that, it's it was just a it was a really or still is a really great book to read. The movie Doom Part One, which they probably should have said Part One, but they didn't, was interesting as well. And it's just the dichotomy of just strife between factions, strife between people, controlling planets or controlling lands for resources. That type of thing had very interesting themes within it. So let's see how well they tap into this. Unless you're just going to always be the Fremen, or are you going to be able to not be the Fremen and be the Atreides, to be the other two houses or more as well? Should be interesting to see if that actually does happen or not. I'm not quite sure because it was just a CGI trailer. And I really don't like those that much because they don't really tell you anything. They're just all about the story. And I'm like, great, but games are different. Like, give me something. Give me some, like, basic a gameplay or something like that. Give me slices. Stop giving me less slices. All right, moving on to Dead Island 2. Yes, it's coming out. Surprisingly, it's coming out. We did. It was announced several years ago, and then it kind of just went off into the ether, and now it's finally coming out officially. You're going to be in L.A., which is very interesting because L.A. technically isn't an island, but maybe in this type of storyline, it is an island. Not really quite sure how they're going to deal with that. But yes, Dead Island 2 is finally coming out. Should be interesting to see what, I guess, improvements from the first one to the second one. We're actually going to see how well the, the weapons have evolved, how well you can just basically do crafting weapons, the enemies, the mechanics and 
combat. It, Dead Island wasn't a terrible game, but it, was, it really wasn't a great game either. It was kind of in the middle. It was interesting. It was part of the, I guess, the zombie era that we had, even though it's kind of sort of back, but not really. It was around, I think, it came around right around when Dead when uh, Left 4 Dead 2 was still really popular, but not so much. I mean, we still have Dying Light 2, which is still more of a zombie, is still a zombie one. And the other spiritual successor, spiritual successor of Left 4 Dead as well. I forget the name of it, but it's still by the same developer of it. So there has been a little bit of a resurgence, but not too much on that one. All right, moving on to Lords of the Fallen. So it originally came out in 2014, Lords of the Fallen, but it looks like there's going to be a new rebooted one, I guess. I guess because Elden Ring did such huge success that everybody's trying to capitalize on the Elden Ring success. And so why not with Lords of the Fallen? Not really sure about how this is going to, if this is going to be just a brand new reboot version of it or if it's going to continue of what lords of the fallen originally did not really sure about that but the original did come out in 2014 it was kind of a dark souls clone so it's kind of funny that this is coming back when Elden ring got really big and so this is going to be an Elden ring clone because we're probably going to see a lot of those coming down in the pipeline but not really quite sure about this. That once again, it was just the CGI trailers. So there's not much to actually really get out of this except for, Ooh, the pretty CGI. And that's really about it. Which I always say, give me the actual gameplay. I want to see the gameplay. All right. Moving on to age of the empire four, which recently came out last year around November time. It's going to be free to play. This week on Steam, because of the 25th anniversary, you get to see some of that going in. So check it out if you want to. Age of the Empires is a very storied real-time strategy game that goes through the ages, hence Age of the Empires. But it should be interesting to see how well this actually does, if you actually want to play it or not. But I'd say go for it. Like I said, always huge supporter of real-time strategy games. And with it being made by Relic Entertainment, it's done by a company that does know how to how to make real-time strategy games. They've made the Company of Heroes franchise. They also made the Homeworld franchise as well. So pretty strong pedigree. All right, moving on to Evil West. And apparently you'll be able to remove spiders if you're arachnophobic in this game. Now, Evil West is a very interesting game as it's kind of like a mix between like a horror or a type of a type of horror game, but also Red Dead Redemption at the same time. It does have a feel of open worldness to it. It's very, very interesting because it's got its own unique twist to it. Now, Flying Wild Hogs had did do Hard Reset and also Shadow Warrior, so they do have a pedigree on actually making really fun first-person shooter games. Really intrigued on this one, and that how's it going to play out? Now, it has been delayed till November 2022, so you're going to have to wait a little while longer for this one to actually be played, but... I've got my eye on it. Like I'm pretty sure a bunch of you have gotten your eye on it as well, because it's just, it's got like magic in mixed with 
the Western mixed with almost like steampunk type of vibe with it. So it's got very different genres mixed into one. So we'll see how well that plays out, how the combat plays out, and if it's actually going to be a worthy game of the year contender. All right, moving on to Homeworld 3. We actually got a little bit of a a gameplay trailer, finally, thank you, for ambushes and a way to move around your different types of squadrons and fleets. And they showed, like, one how to deal with fighters. That was pretty easy. And then when the missile missile frigates came, they had to maneuver. One went underneath. One used cover to actually kill it. And then different types of units. It looks all very interesting. It does still feel like what Relic did in the beginning with Homeworld, since they were the original developer of this one, they actually didn't make it quite memorable. It was probably one of the best and most intriguing art real-time strategy games since X and Y and also Z access. So you can move your fleet anywhere within the X, Y, and Z access, which made it even more interesting because you could come up from above, down below, kind of sideways. I mean, there's so many different ways you could go about it. So it was a very interesting strategy game, real-time strategy game that I'm glad they finally brought back because they needed to bring it back. And regardless of how much I just don't really care about Gearbox, fair enough, they actually did something pretty good. So I'm glad they actually brought it back because it needed to be brought back. All right, moving on to Flashback 2, and it's been delayed till 2023 because... This is the new theme of gaming is that everything that's coming out will probably be delayed because that's what happens. They don't want to have a repeat of 2020 where everything that came out was a broken mess. So they have said they're going to be doing because they need to work on it because it was originally supposed to be coming out on in winter 2022. And now it's not going to do that anymore because they need more time to work and polish it up to make sure that it is. Now, I think flashback two is from like a 90s era version of flashback if i'm not mistaken so it should be interesting to see how well time has passed and how well this one will do with the previous one being so far out or so long ago that it was actually made if this would actually be any better interesting worse we'll actually finally have to see once it finally comes out in 2023 All right, moving on to Overwatch 2 and Junker Queen is going to get nerfed. That's right. Junker Queen was a little overpowered in the beta, and I can attest to this. She can be quite difficult to handle only because, mostly because of her shout. Her her shout basically gave her 200 extra health, gave her allies 100 extra health, and a speed boost. So it was a lot to give one character that probably should be nerfed. It probably should be only give maybe 50 to allies and maybe a hundred health and no speed advantage. I would actually get rid of the speed advantage completely because you can't, the problem with overwatch two and I'm starting to see this a little bit more is that they're trying to make characters almost everything and perfect. And the problem is they do need actual nerd or, counters and good counters to it just like in the previous games a lot of characters were counters to other characters and that's how you played it you saw that your your characters didn't work so you changed to counter the characters that have had it right now so that's what they should be doing but i 
feel like a lot of times they just be like, let's make a perfect character. And it's like, yeah, that's not how this works. Now there were interesting, I guess, ideas for this and saying that instead of nerfing her, just make all tanks at her level, which is an, is an interesting idea in general. Instead of focusing on just the DPS, you give the tanks or let the tanks be menacing because that's what the tank role is. It's a menacing role where we take a lot of damage, but we deal a lot of damage or deal a good amount of damage, I probably should say. So that is something to consider. Will they actually consider it? Probably not. It's probably not going to be considered at all, but it's interesting to look at. Let's just say that. All right, moving on to Battlefield 2042 and Season 2, which starts on August 30th. It's going to be Masters of Arms. There is going to be two new vehicles, three new weapons, a new gadget, a new hero or specialist, also a new map, and also a couple reworks on the maps. Eventually, I think they said Season 3, there will finally be classes be reintroduced because they've figured out that without the classes it's quite bad it's not it's not very good at all to be honest with you i think i think this is a good turn of events of saying yeah you know what we were wrong we're gonna go back to adding classes and then they're gonna be into different distinct classes which is fine i'm all in favor of that but so the new weapons is the am40 it's a powerful carbine design to offer a midpoint between assault rifle and submachine gun, the Amvacus, it's a LMG designed for maximum mobility and attachment compatibility, nimble but powerful, and a PF-51, which is between an SMG and a pistol. And then there's the, for the vehicles, there's the EBLM RAM, which is traverse, it's a unique, basically, vehicle, four-seater vehicle that is capable of extreme maneuverability at low speeds and also protects itself from incoming damage with the amp ability and, and a place to a, a spawn beacon on the battlefield. So it's almost like a mobile spawn beacon, which would be interesting in 128 player conquest mode. Also, you got the, the Polaris RZR, which is a fast, it's basically a fast, fun, lightweight buggy. That's it. You also have the new specialist, which apparently he has a mobile minigun. He also will, when he's revived, he will give the reviver ammo, which is interesting. It's not that terrible of a of an ability, so it should be interesting to see once it finally is released how much people are going to play it once the novelty wears out and how overpowered the minigun will be because when he places down the minigun, anybody in your team can use the minigun. I don't know if enemies can use it as well, if that's so, it could be a very good, a lot of counterplays with that as well. So we'll see how well this actually does. All right, moving on to Spider-Man Remastered. And the update brings sharpness, slider, stability, ray trace fixes, and more. So just more upscaling, more of the slider fix between the NVIDIA DLSS and the AMD FSR 2.0 for upscaling. As well, also added sharpness sliders to controls and in-game sharpness and added option to force the aspect ratio of 32 by 9 or 21 by 9. Also, fine-tune the spawn rates for crowd and traffic destiny settings to better reflect various mods, implement a fix for a bug that turned objects into spiked 
distorted geometry, fixed white artifacts appearing around buildings while swinging through the city. There's a whole bunch of other things. Also enabled gyro aiming on Steam Deck for Black Cat Stakeout and in traceable objects, various UI fixes for a Steam Deck. So a bunch of bunch of a lot of stability in this one, which is great. And it does play really well on the Steam Deck. I've been playing it for a little bit on the Steam Deck, but it plays really, really well, really smooth, just fun. And it looks really good too on the Steam Deck, surprisingly. All right, moving on to the Steam mobile app that's in beta. So I got it on beta and it's 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 a lot cleaner. It's a lot easier to find things in the new app. The old app was more clunky. It, it needed a lot of work. It, it was just a lot of just a lot of different clicks that you did unnecessary clicks on that one. So I'm glad they finally updated it and it's on the way. I've played around with it a few times this week once I knew there was actually a, a beta for it. And yeah, it works rather well. It's It's got four buttons at the bottom and it's, it's pretty easy to navigate. And you're wondering why I'm talking about a mobile app for Steam on a PC gaming podcast. Well, it's because it's important because you can also buy the games for your PC on it as well. And we're kind of seeing a convergence between mobile and PC gaming quite a bit nowadays. So it is, it is important to talk about this convergence, especially with buying games on your phone and then playing games on your PC type of a thing and just checking in on your Steam account through your phone as well. So very interesting. They also added more things for the authenticator. So like QR codes and everything. So they just modernized it quite heavily because the current version is very outdated. All right, moving on to NVIDIA 2. It's going to be announcing its next-gen GPU architecture in September amid all the rumors for it. So I was skeptical if they're going to do it or not, if they're going to postpone this because the reason is because they do have a huge stockpile of graphics cards right now because no one's really buying them anymore, mainly due to inflation and just people not having as much liquid money to just buy things now. So you do have that issue. But beyond that, it should be interesting to see what, how much the power is going to take and just how hot it's going to be because 3090 gets pretty hot too, but it's still not as bad as what this power consumption for the 4090 might actually do. Supposedly you're going to need a thousand Watts or more just to run the 4090 and you're probably going to need more of it. So it should be interesting to see what that actually does, how it outperforms the 3090s. If it outperforms the 3090s, it probably will. But if it outperforms it, how much it outperforms it, and so on and so forth, what type of other features are going to have? Is it going to be better for 4K gaming? Is it going to have a lot better and faster frame rates for 4k gaming is it going to be better for 8k gaming for the 4090 and it what subsequent other graphics cards are going to benefit from this as well also i would like to see how they're going to use av1 encoder because that's going to be the best encoder for it or if they're going to update the invink encoder as well there's just a lot of things I would like to know what they're going to be doing and also an update to NVIDIA broadcast. It looks like they haven't updated that in quite a while. If that's still going on or if they're going to deprecate that and just use the APIs instead, which probably would actually be a smarter idea than just having one standalone product. You have APIs 
that do it for you. I'm not saying that NVIDIA broadcast should be done away with. I'm just saying utilize it in different programs instead of just one standalone program probably would be a lot better of resources for that as well. But we'll see. Not really quite sure what they're going to be doing it. Also interested to see what AMD is going to actually be producing as well. All right, moving on to the hardware side. So Samsung is going to be releasing the 990 Pro SSD. This is supposedly supposed to be the fastest ever PCIe 4.0 read speeds. And that's read speeds are going to top out just a little below 7,500 megabytes per second. And so far, the write speeds are going to be a little just below the 7,000 megabytes per second at 6,900. So this one's going to be more expensive than the Western Digital Black version. And it should be interesting to see if anybody's actually going to buy this or not. It, Samsung makes great products, but sometimes they're very expensive to actually get. You also have Sabrant making their own type of newer SSDs that is supposed to be using the direct storage API from Microsoft, which is interesting how well that plays with it as well. Plus, we're going to be getting a lot more PCIe 5.0 SSDs on the way. So this is probably the last one we'll see the 4.01, unless there's any new type of way of pushing it even farther. But I don't think there's any way of pushing it farther than what 4.0 can already do. So we'll actually see. But once again, it's more expensive than the Western Digital version of it or even the Kingston Fury one. So maybe it's about $45 more. For the one terabyte, about $100 more than the two terabyte. And we haven't really seen the four terabyte because it's coming next year. So if you're on the market for the SSD, I would probably go to Brant's new one. Instead, it's like the Rocket Gaming Plus one, I think it's called. I don't remember that one. But might want to look into that one instead, especially with the direct storage API being involved with it. That actually could be a lot better for faster responses as well. All right, moving on to Secret Labs' the new gaming desk called the new Mag Magnus Pro. It's a standing desk, and the actual like buttons are integrated within the desk, which is actually pretty smart, and I like that. It also has basically an integrated power system as well, which is very interesting and unique, which is you can plug everything in to it. So it's a so instead of trying to like do cable management, which is can be a pain in the butt with how many stuff that I have. It's huge pain in the butt, but this has integrated cable management as well. Integrated lighting system it uses nano leaf as well. You also have monitor mounts, which is interesting as well. Also desktop mount, which is basically almost seems like this could be my next desk. If I decide to actually upgrade it to a different desk, I've had this desk right now for about five or six years so it's, it's done quite a quite good but it's well just this one actually might actually be more to what i actually need it's a little bit bigger than this one which is a little disconcerting but the tray where i can do cable management is what i'm actually really looking forward to all right moving on to steel series and they launched their well speaker system which is new because we haven't seen a new speaker system in how long because everybody's been focused on headsets, which is understandable because headsets are a lot, they're mobile, they're easier to use. You don't have to have 
room for all this stuff. So there's about three different versions of it. There is Arena 3, Arena 7, Arena 9. Arena 3 starts at 150 bucks, and it's basically just two speaker systems. Arena 7 jumps it up a little bit more and has a few other systems. And the Arena 9 is basically the 5.1 USB channel, and that is $600. It does have USB. It does have a little dongle that you can control it with if you get the Arena 9. also has lighting if that's what you care about. It also has some EQing, but not a lot of EQing through their Sonar app, which is not bad. I, I do have a Nova Wireless Pro that I've had issues with, but apparently that was all Asus's fault. Thank you, Asus, for your Sonic Studio that I should never install ever again. But I digress into that both the Arena 7 and the 9 have a subwoofer to it as well. There also is a mic that you could use with this, and it's just a mic for it. It basically goes around your ear if you're going to get tied with this. It's not a bad thing, really, but, I mean, you have to really, really want to have your neighbors hear you game. I am gaming with this subwoofer and five other speaker systems in $600. Not cheap. It's not, it's not highly expensive, but it's not cheap either. If this is not your standard, like analog one that I actually did in the bedroom where I actually did hook that up. This is very USB type way of doing it, which makes it a lot easier to actually do. There also is an analog way with the 3.5 millimeter audio cable. So you do have that option and in a, digital audio cable as well. Moving on to HyperX. HyperX is making monitors now because why not? So they're making a monitor, which is interesting because they're actually not going to do a monitor stand. They're going to do monitor mounts instead. So like mounting to your desk, which I guess is a lot better than the, the standard monitor mounts because the standard monitor stands, I should probably say is just takes up space. This takes up less space, but I don't understand why every company has to now come out with, <laughs> with monitors. Like, yes, we got a lot of options, but really, do we really need that many options? Probably not. Now, as a complaint about that, this is probably the most interesting monitor. It's from Corsair and it's in partnership with LG. And it's actually a monitor that you can bend the sides and not break. So you can actually bend it to make it a curved monitor, but you can bend it back to make it a straight monitor and it bends on the sides and you can only bend it so far. And it's about 800 R curvature instead of a thousand R curvature, which is the Samsung one. So it's not as bendy as the Samsung one, but this is very interesting in general. Now it is not 4k. It is 2k. It's a 45 inch panel. It is a W OLED is what they're actually calling this one. It does have, NVIDIA G-Sync and AMD FreeSync Premium. It's got 240 hertz refresh rate, HDMI, DisplayPort, USB-C, USB-A connectivity. No price so far, but at least this one's better than the behemoth Samsung one that doesn't even have a DisplayPort, which is like, why would you make this a gaming monitor without a DisplayPort? I just don't get it. I really don't get it all. So it makes no sense, but it's a 45 inch. So it's pretty massive for your desk. <laughs> big, big monitor. But apparently that's what they're doing now is they're going big for whatever reason. 
but that's probably the most gimmick. Now, given that they just said this, this could be a really cool thing or the biggest gimmick of a monitor that I've ever seen. We'll see if it actually does improve or do anything, but I feel like just bending it, there's a lot more problems when you bring this type of new features, like bending the screen, how often or how many times can you bend it before something goes wrong? How much is it gonna cost to fix it if it's actually even worth to fix it once you bend it? And is the safety for this really going to help with it as well? Can someone still figure out how to bend it and bend it so far that it breaks? I mean, those are the questions we really won't know until it actually fully comes out. Will this be a cheap monitor? No, because of the you can bend it way of doing things. It'll probably be in the, I'm pretty sure, thousand or more range for this one. So it'll be interesting to see how well that one does. Which leads me to just my main thing about have we reached peak gaming? Because I just talked about all this hardware, especially in the hardware space. And I think the short answer is yes. All these gaming peripheral companies are making the same thing almost. They have a few different features that are different, but all in all, they're the same thing. My my issue with this is, is that everybody's becoming everything and how well they're going to be doing everything that they're doing. I mean, I'm glad that Corsair is partnering with LG because it's actually a pretty good deal for them because LG is known for their monitors and their TVs. And it's just, it's very weird that HyperX is doing it. And they're and HyperX was first known for its headsets. Nothing really else. I mean, they eventually got into keyboard and mice, which is fair enough. But Corsair, Corsair is not really known for its monitors. It was first really known for its RAM and then its power supplies and then cases and then really got into the whole gaming keyboards, which then they put lights on everything. Everybody's like, oh, they're putting lights on everything. We must put lights on everything. And that's where all the RGB came from. Thanks, Corsair. Thanks for doing this and making our lives even brighter or at least burning out my retinas either way we have hit peak gaming everybody's making everything and no one's really that distinct from each other that it just seems like what to buy is really going to depend on how well it actually does which is fine i mean like i said competition is never a terrible thing but there is a point where too much choice does not lend to better consumer choice it just means like we'll probably pick the popular ones anyways because how many keyboard companies are out there there's quite a few there's a lot and we usually pick the popular ones between usually logitech corsair and razor steel series there every once in a while but i mean like i said Something's got to give. Like, I feel like consolidation is still going to be happening. More of these companies are going to be buying out each other because it's just, there's just too much too often. And it, it becomes like keeping up with the Joneses on like steroids or cocaine, more like cocaine because it's just like, Oh, 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 this, this is another one. This is another one. There's another one. There's another one. And it's just like, what's the real difference? 
There's not a whole lot. And a lot of times it's basically all 2K monitors, which is very interesting. Like that's usually the sweet spot is the 2K right now. And we're getting to a point where like my desk is more full of electronics than anything else. My desk is not a desk anymore. It's just electronics all the time. So that's another issue with it is just how much is too much. And I feel like we're getting to that point where it's just too much. Like I can't keep up with all the peripherals that are coming out. I can't. I mean, Sony just, just announced the new PS5 Elite controller. I think they called it Edge, but it's the same thing. It's Elite controller. It's the same thing as Xbox Elite. And you got that. You got like other companies releasing monitors, a plethora. It's like, which one do I get? Which one's better? Which one's going to last longer? Which one's going to give me the best bang for my buck? Heck, my second monitor is still a 1081 from AOC from, I think it's 10 years ago, but it still works great. I mean, how much is too much? And I'm starting to see, and like it has to be said again, how much is too much? And I think we're seeing that. I think we're going to see more gimmicks than anything else than actual useful features. Like the bending thing seems cool, but seriously, do you need a monitor that actually bends? How often are you going to bend the damn thing? Like, oh man, I should really bend it. You're going to do it for like the first month. You're going to be like, eh, forget it. Just either be curved or not. I don't care. Just pick one. And that's what it's really going to be like. Because if you always have to manually do it yourself, uh, oh, I need a, I need curved. Nope. I need a straight. Nope. Wait. Nope. Nope. How about one side's curved, one side straight? How about they're kind of sort of curved? How about they're barely noticeable curve? How about they're just a straight monitor? Because do you really get that much out of a curved monitor? Probably not. Usually there's more just more issues with curved screens than anything else. Curved screens are really nice. They're really cool looking, but are they really that useful is the other thing. I'm just looking for a new monitor that has 2.0 display port, which is still not here yet. And that's what I'm really looking for. I'm looking for a monitor that has something that I need that I'm using every day. That's going to work with me, not gimmicks. And if we're getting to that gimmicky era of hardware, Oh dear God, this is going to be a long few years until companies are like, yeah, we're, we're going to stop this because no one's buying it. Okay. Okay. We're going to stop this. No more, no more. And I'll be like, thank you. Finally. But how much is too much for you? That's the thing. I think it's too much for me, but I'm more of a minimalist that could really go without everything being RGB, but that's me. How much is too much for you? That's the question. And you should put it below on our comments as well, because I always love to hear from you guys. But as always, thank you for listening to digital coffee. As always, please subscribe to digital coffee, all your favorite podcasting, hosting sites and apps. Leave a five-star review. If you like this podcast, but join me next week as I talk about what's going on in the PC gaming industry. All right, guys, stay safe, game on what you want to game on and find the best products for you all right guys catch you later have fun gaming see you next week later